Before we get into the conversation with Hunter Mahan and handicapping the travelers, I do want to tell you about how the show laid out so that you can skip ahead if you like. For the first probably 30 minutes, myself and Hunter Mahan recap the U.S. Open. He gives a unique perspective as one of the best players uh, in in the last 20, 30 years. Uh, Hunter's six-time winner on the PGA Tour, multiple Ryder Cup member, President's Cup member, $30 million in career earnings. We had a great time recapping the U.S. Open. It was a lot of fun. And then starting at around the 30-minute mark-ish, uh, for the, about 15 minutes, Hunter gives his unique perspective on the Travelers. He's won at TPC River Highlands. He finished first, second, and fourth in a span of three years there. He loves it. We talked a lot about handicapping the course, as well as handicapping golf in general. Then we get into the picks until about the last 10 minutes, we talk about the PGA and Liv merger. He knows Tiger Woods, talked about Tiger's silence, Jay Monahan's future, and all that good stuff. So that's kind of the overall rundown of the show. Hope you enjoy it. Thanks to our friends at SoBet for partnering on the show. Promo code TJ gets you six months at only $39 to get all the best bets from the best handicappers SoBet has assembled. Around 40 of the best sports handicappers, and it's all on SoBet. You can subscribe using promo code TJ. The link is in the description of the podcast. And uh, you can either do the one-month thing for $9.95 or the six months for only $39. It's a huge deal to get you into the NFL season. So... Check out SoBet, download it with the link in the description. And without further ado, let's get to me and Hunter Mayhem. What's going on, Golf Addicts? Welcome to the 2023 Travelers Championship Preview DB here. You may notice a couple things right off the bat. Pat's not here. A joker's still on vacation. He's lazy as hell. I don't know what to tell you. He's, he's on a boat somewhere. Um, so he's still out. He's not here. He's not going to be here this week. So if you're looking for Pat and you can't stand me, I'm sorry, I don't know what to tell you, but I, I do have a guest coming up. Hunter Mahan is going to be joining me to break down the full show. We're going to do a U.S. Open recap. We might talk a little PGA live. Hunter won the inaugural Tra- Travelers Championship at TPC River Highlands back in 2007. So I'm going to bring him on. We're going to talk about all this stuff, handicap the field. Right now, it's, uh, we're recording this around 11 a.m. on Monday. We've only got the outright odds available. No top 20s or finished position bets just yet. Obviously, all of that will be found in the Nut Hut in the Discord server uh, later on. I will be doing the DraftKings show as well later here on Monday. If you're looking for DFS action, we got that covered. And you also may have noticed I got a new background, huh? Like, how, how good does this look, huh? Look at that. TV's gone. I got my flag matches up here that I won. Two of those are from Pat that I took from him in Scotland. So, um, you know, this is, uh, I, the setup looks good, I think. I, I don't have the TV behind me anymore. So I think we're looking better. We've upgraded. I'm excited, and I'm really excited to talk to Hunter Mahan. Uh, this joker, I mean, he like dom- he he dominated this place, especially on like a three year stretch. So I think he gained 43 strokes, is what I is what I counted in a three year stretch at TPC River Highlands. So I'm when we get to that, I'm just going to kind of get out of the way and let Hunter tell us what he thinks uh, it takes to get it done here at TPC River Highlands. So thanks for watching. While you're here, click the like button, subscribe to the YouTube channel if you haven't already. And uh, listen, we appreciate all the support for the U.S. Open week. It was a fantastic week for us. Uh, I will be announcing our contest winners on the DFS show, so go check that out. The Discord was popping. We had a great time. Um, And before we get into, before I bring in Hunter, I do want to remind everybody about the show being presented by our friends at Leaderboard, who, uh, you know, we're going to go down the board today, but it's just going to be, we're going to talk about the U.S. Open a good bit and recap, because there's some, I I know Hunter's got some takes. He told me yesterday he, he had some takes on some things, so. Down the board, presented by our friends at Leaderboard. Download the app. It is free on iOS, anywhere you want to go uh, to download it in the description here, the podcast or YouTube video and our Discord, whatever. 
Leaderboard is a fun app. It's free. It keeps track of all your own stats and all your own data on the golf course. Like you can go and look at my past, I don't know, 10 rounds and see that I have a two-way miss going off the tee. So you can track that because you can keep up with your approach play, your, your off the tee play, how many putts. You can also see I don't make very many putts. Um, what else can you do? Oh, and, and you can gamble with your friends through the leaderboard app and they will dot the scorecard. They'll handicap it for you. And then at the end, they'll tell you who owes who money and they'll kick you straight to Venmo. Plus, you can kick your score straight to the USGA for your gin to keep up with your handicap. Now, did I do that when I shot a 78 the other day? Absolutely not, because member guest is coming up. So I can't, I can't be doing that. I got to come in as like a nine. So, uh, but you can choose when to do that. Leaderboard lets you do that. Thanks, thankful for that flexibility. So without further ado, let's bring in our guest, the, uh, the man at TPC River Highlands when it first rolled out on the PGA Tour. And a guy who said he had, he had hot takes on the U.S. Open. It's, uh, it's Mr. Hunter Mayhan. Thanks, Hunter, for being here. Appreciate you taking the time, dude. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, I wore my municipal shirt for, uh, in honor of Wyndham for the win. I don't know if you noticed. It's the only municipal shirt I have, and he's a municipal guy. I didn't know, I didn't know what I'd think about this collarless thing. Have you ever had one mm-hmm. of these? You tried one of these yet? I have not. I, I, I noticed that yesterday when he was walking that there was no buttons. Yeah. Right? It just went like it just a little V. Yeah. And um, I actually thought it looked pretty good. And a uh, uh, good day for the municipal, obviously, for Very about five day. hours. Uh, a ton of publicity. So that was cool. That was cool. All around what we saw yesterday was pretty spectacular. So I, I, I got to be honest. I couldn't tell who you were pulling for uh, based on your responses to my tweets and based on uh, like – I know you're an Oklahoma State guy. You know, Ricky's Oklahoma State guy, but Wyndham started at Oklahoma State. So what was going on for you yesterday? Yeah, um, obviously rooting for Ricky. I was just rooting for great play, right? I didn't yeah. want to see someone fall down the leaderboard. I wanted to see someone step up and hit big shots and, and kind of answer, answer the bell. And that's sort of what Wyndham did. At the end of the yeah. day, he hit all the big shots and made all the big putts and the big up and downs. And Rory just couldn't get anything going in those last few holes. It seemed like he, every time I thought he was going to do something, like I thought on the par five, was it 15, 14, 15? I thought he was just going to bomb it down the middle and he was just going to have that, that, that walk and that strut down the fairway. And we were like, okay, he's going to go two under in the last few holes and, and he's going to post 11 and he's going to have to make Wyndham do something. Yeah. And he just never did. And then when he piped on an 18, I'm thinking, here it is. This is great. You know, you can be aggressive on that flag. We just saw Scotty Scheffler hit it back hit that kind of like the back edge and rolled back down. I'm thinking, this is it. This is just going to be some high straight missile right at the flag. And he kind of pulls it, tugs the left. It was, it was sort of deflating, I think for everybody and all the fans kind of rooting for Rory and, and yeah. probably the ones at home and, and when just got it done, man, it was all grit from him all day. And that was cool to see. It really was impressive. I mean, I want to go down the board a little bit, but to start with Wyndham Clark, I mean, first of all, you know, obviously I'm, we're, this is a degenerate gambling show. So sure, that kind of of comes first, but, and and I hate that, you know, and our our fans, our followers are going to know this. Like me and Pat have been looking at Wyndham early this year and saying like, this guy seems to have leveled up. Something has changed in his game. That's well-documented from the tour junkie show. When he and then and then we missed him at the wells and it gutted me that, that we missed him because we had bet him a few times before yeah. that and then we we missed him at the wells on the Monday after the wells I did a video on Instagram and I said I said you know possible hot take here but Wyndham Clark is the real deal because he, he he's always had this distance off the tee he's always had this putter he was the best player in college golf so the pedigree's all there and the the two you know two things that dominate in on the PGA Tour 
distance and putting, he has. It's always been the iron situation for him. It, it seems to have converted. And I said, Wyndham Clark could be like a, a Max Homa situation where it takes him a little bit of time, but all of a sudden he figures some things out, he clicks, and he, he's potentially a top 10 player in the world. I talked about him being on the Ryder Cup team after, after the Wells Fargo. I got some interesting comments on Instagram for that. And now here he is a major champion and did exactly what you talked about. He just, he, he, he just let him hang yesterday. Like, and, and obviously, I mean, I, I'll ask you about the coverage, but freaking Zinger and Hicks told us over and over again how his word of the day was be cocky, right? We, we got that message. I, and I loved it. And, and he really did. He really did go out there and, you know, despite the, the Rory swagger walk, you know, nips out, I'm the man possibly going on in terms of tee to green. Like, Wyndham just didn't, he, he didn't budge. And, and, you know, he whiffed that one shot on eight when he got stuck. Was it on eight when he was in the bush? And he, yeah. I kind of thought, oh, God, like yeah. this could be. But he pulled it together. He got up and down from a tough spot there. He was very impressive. The kids got chops. It was a golf course where you didn't want to be behind, right? At the, you know, it was funny how they were talking on Thursday. Oh, it's too easy. These all these low scores, and and those scores just didn't really change throughout the week, right? The course got tougher. They knew what they had in in terms of controlling the golf course, controlling the speed of the greens. Um, the weather was great, so they knew they could hit the gas when they wanted to on the golf course. Yeah, and and by the time we got there Sunday, um, making up shots was going to be really really difficult. And because I mean, I thought Rory actually played really good, but yeah. those greens got real, I mean, they got real slick and, they, and, and there was enough slope on them to where it was not easy to make putts. Um, and you couldn't really make up much on the back nine. It was pins were just in these incredibly difficult places. The, you know, it, when Rory, when Rory's, you know, hitting these high, high irons up there and he can't even come close to stopping on a green, you know, it's, it's, it, pars are going to win. And it's always funny when we talk about, Tiger and all his majors, and, and none of them were from behind. Well, it's good reason because it's you, it's hard to come from behind yeah. in courses like this. It just doesn't happen. Anytime you try to hit the gas and do something, well, then you make a big mistake and you can make bogey or double, and then all of a sudden you just fell back even further when you were trying to make a birdie. So, um, yesterday was all about grit and it was all about overcoming. And he knew that that it was kind of what we saw from Brooks in the last PGA. Great start got a lead and he just kind of kind of what tiger would do tiger would get a lead and he would just make you come get him and yeah. he just knew you couldn't because it was so hard to make up shots and he got that lead and he got up two three you know early he got up on five on ricky so ricky was kind of done after that about the first six seven holes um and he just kind of kept going and 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 that's mental toughness is what you need to win on the pga tour and he's got that in spades like that was just yeah, I mean that was what he needed to do. His iron play is still, you know, it's a little spotty, but he's not afraid to fail, and he was absolutely clutch when he needed to be. And it was, like I said, I just uh, rooting for. I just didn't want to see someone fall. I wanted to see someone rise, right? And that's what we always want to see in the highest level of competition. And that's what Wyndham did. Yeah, I mean, when you're Rory or Scotty, or you know, you're you're trying to come from behind. Yeah. Like you said, it's, it's hard. You're actually waiting for those guys at the top to come back down, which, I mean, Wyndham yeah. stumbled a little bit coming in, but those are difficult, difficult holes. Unbelievable. Um, and obviously, given the situation, but, I mean, uh, Wyndham, I think Wyndham's interesting. I mean, you're obviously, a, you've played a lot of team golf. You represented the U.S. in President's Cup and a, a handful of Ryder Cups. I mean, what do you think about Wyndham on the, uh, on the Ryder Cup? Is it pretty much a done deal now, right? 
I would think so. I mean, he reminds me of like Cam Young, right? Like he's going to be that Cam Young that's going to kind of fill that role. Cam's struggling this year for whatever reason, but he is a bomber and he's got a great short game. He's got great touch. He's got yeah. a great feel. Um, he showed that. Um, he's a great guy for, for, for alternate shot. Um, and to go out and just go play, send him out early on Sunday um, and let him just go eat and, and let it rip. Um, he's, a, he's an incredible human being. He's going to fit in. You get him with um, kind of an older guy, uh, let him kind of play with him all week and, and bring him down because in those events, you immediately go up yeah. and you just have to kind of find your, your happy place yeah. because the event is so, I mean, it is so, it's, there's an intensity to it, but there's just this energy that is hard to explain. And so you get him with the right guy, with the right group um, and just let him kind of uh, get with those guys all week. I think you've got, you got a real thoroughbred and got a real weapon there. Yeah. That reminds me, and I haven't asked you this, so I'm going to ask you on the spot. I, we need to have you back on for the Ryder Cup preview just because I, I think that'd be awesome to talk to you about some of that stuff. Oh, I love it. Um, it's, it's my favorite event in the world. Same. I can't wait. Um, okay, so let's, let's talk about Ricky, man. I mean, you, I, so I guess you and I both were pulling hard for Ricky. <laughs> Apparently, and I know this about myself because my, my wife and kids were mad at me too yesterday. Um, I have one son who's 12 who's really into golf, and he understands a little bit about the betting side. Of, you know, I've kind of started to teach him. Um, and obviously my wife, and with it being Father's Day, by the way, happy, fa- happy Father's Day. Hope it was same to you, you, same to you. Thank you. Uh, you know, with it being Father's Day, everybody's doing what dad's doing. So everybody's forced to watch the six-hour golf round. <laughs> and for me, I am the kind of, like, my, I'm this, if I'm sweating a golf bet, before the round starts for my guy on Sunday, I am, I am, I'm confident. I'm thinking about, you know, I, I you, you may not know this, but a couple of weeks ago, I, I told my Discord I had a dream about Ricky winning uh, Oak Hill wire to wire. Um, and so then, so then yesterday before the round, I was like, my dream was two weeks early. I should have, I should have just been in a coma or something, woke up from it. I'm thinking like all these things are going to happen. But then as soon as he doesn't birdie one, I'm like, but, but it's not happening. Like, it's ball game. And then the way that I sweat, the way that I sweat golf tournaments is I, and, and the same thing with, like, Georgia, you know, Georgia football. It's like, from, from the first sign of trouble, I'm out. Like, mentally, emotionally, I start sure, going, yeah. this is not happening. I'm done. Oh, yeah. I'm starting to let myself down so that I don't get too up. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, I'm, and I'm doing that on Twitter, too, a little bit. I'm, like, live tweeting. And you're like, will you shut up? You respond. <laughs> So clearly, you and I are sweating the same guy. That's why I was kind of like, maybe, maybe, maybe Hunter's like a, a Wyndham guy, but uh, but clearly we sweat it different. Uh, boy, like Ricky, he just showed nothing, man. He just came out so flat, and I just, it's just so painful. And and it really, I'm a guy who's been hopeful for Ricky and others like him, like Tommy Lad. You know, these these guys who just ha- seemingly just have it all clicking and can get there and have, have some, some years behind them and have, have the experience behind them, and you feel like it can get done. But then, like, now I actually feel worse. I, I feel worse about Ricky's future to get it done in a major. Not in a PJ Tour event. I know he's going to win and get on the PJ Tour, but in a major. <sighs> talk to me. Talk to me, Hunter. No, no, no. I'm going I'm to talk you off the ledge here. Because okay. I think <laughs> Ricky's game has always been, for up till now, when he was young, it was always more about athleticism and his hands. He has incredible hands. He has an incredible short game. He's actually a great, great putter. I, you know, he putted great this week, but I know it's been a struggle for him. Um, but his swing was always, it was always his own, but it was always based on athleticism and kind of finding it at the top, right? Yeah. Like 
when it was good, it was consistent and I'm not consistent, but when it was good, it was like, you can tell it was kind of Mickelson ish, right? It was, it was kind of, he had that game where it looked sloppy at times, but he could turn it on and have a back nine. And you're like, wow, I didn't see that coming. Um, but now the technique of his swing has gotten so, so much better that he's not relying on his hands and athleticism because the older you get, and this happens in every sport and nobody really talks about it in golf, but the older you get, you lose your athleticism. It's just the way it is. So you have to rely on technique. You know, Tiger's technique has always been elite, right? Um, We always look at guys, great ball strikers, right? Their technique just never leaves them, but your athleticism does. And so Ricky has found his technique and his swing and um, it's so, so much better. It's just in such a better place to where um, everything's working with him and there's no saving it at the bottom, right? There's a lot of hands in Ricky's kind of motion, right? That's why he was a good wedge player and a good short game. It's just incredible feel, incredible touch. and so I think the best and the most consistent, most consistent game Ricky's going to have in his career is going to be going forward more than it was. I think we just liked him so much early on, and we wanted him to win so badly. But I never felt like just watching him swing and watching him play. I'm like, he doesn't have the consistency to to be at the top in a major for all four rounds. It just, I just never really saw it. But now I'm seeing it. I mean, that his swing is so, so much better. And I, I, if he keeps doing what he's doing and progressing the way he has this past year, because I think statistically the past eight months or so, he's been one of the best ball strikers in a yeah, game. Yeah, He's on the right trajectory and he's doing the right things. And I think he can only take uh, incredible positives from this week. And I think he's going to leave knowing, not just believing, but knowing that a major is in his future, right? Just like him and Rory are going to kind of leave in sort of the same way, knowing that it's just a matter of time more than it is if. So then tell, tell me the difference that you saw with your eyes and your experience as a top player in the world. Like, because Rory, you've already kind of mentioned it. Like Rory looked like he just had it on a string all day and was oh. in complete control and was hitting yes. the shots necessary. It just was, the ball wasn't going in the hole. Yeah. Ricky did not look like that. Like he, he looked uncomfortable. It wasn't like crazy. It wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't, uh, you know, just two-way misses and just, like, oh, no, my no, God. It, so what was it? Well, I mean, I, I remember um, I played with, in the British with Lee in the final group, right? And it was – I can't remember where it was, but it was – we were in the final group, and you're waiting all day, and all of a sudden, you're five or six holes in, and you feel like you just started. And all of a sudden, the tournament is just going, and you're just in this place where you're like, we're four or five shots. We didn't even, I feel like we haven't even started. It, things can happen really, really fast, even though it takes you about five or six hours to play around a golf. Yeah. But things can go really, really quickly. And it was after, like, he was, what, seven holes? He was five down? Yeah. Like, that's going to kind of... Jar. You know, I know he probably... And he probably wanted to make sure that he didn't get too high today or on Sunday, and he wanted to stay sort of in that place that he's been all week. He's not, he's not someone who's up and down and fist pumping and stuff and and um you know that you know that three put on 18 on saturday like that, that could have kind of oh. kind of jarred him a little bit i mean that's a shot you can't it's get back brutal. right yeah. you know and so um and those are in the u.s open you making birdies is is hard to do and so uh not getting off the good start knowing the back nine is gonna be so difficult like it just things happen really really fast out there yeah when it looks like it's you know it's kind of in slow motion when you're watching but man i'm telling you you, things happen so quick and you're just like, what just happened? I mean, I don't feel like we did much wrong 
but we're just not quite, you know, clicking. And you're just like, you're done. I mean, it was over in five or six holes. And then he's just like, well, (laughs) we'll see what happens. Right. And, and and a lot did happen there after I mean, he got it back to Uh, three, three behind at one point. Yeah. Yes. And then Wyndham kind of came back to him and it looked like, Oh boy. Cause I thought, I thought Rory was going to win by two. By the last six, seven holes, I'm thinking Rory's going to make a birdie or two here. Lindham can't keep holding on like this. He just, mm-hmm. it just felt like it was going to be too challenging for him, but he did. And, and, um, but like I said, I take a lot of great things from Ricky last week, way more than um, I would be disappointed or disheartened. All right. So talk to me about LACC. LACC, I guess, is a course. I mean, I am not, people who listen to this show will know that me and Pat are not like architecture nerds we're not sure. we're not smart enough to know we, we don't really care we either just like the course or we don't um and from a i guess from a u.s open setup standpoint obviously there's a lot of people you know if you're on twitter they're pissed about wyndham's tee shot on 18 they're pissed about how the course yeah. may have ended up playing or, or whatever um obviously we got to the we got to a number that i think people are fairly okay with at u.s opens at 10 under still being the winning score or whatever um but and and now there's all these things coming out about uh, LACC as far as the club and you know that there were basically only 9,000 general admission tickets available and the club bought up half of them and then the other half was just you know hard as hard to get and the vibe was kind of off and people talking about how that whole thing was annoying I don't know like do you have any takes on on any of that I just I'm giving you the open floor to to get whatever to get whatever out if you don't we can move on well I thought um I thought the course took a lot of you know, heat and I didn't think it needed to, you know, I mean, you got to let the tournament play out and let, then kind of go back. It seemed like everybody was having after day one, everybody sky's falling. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, well, just give it a little bit of time, right? Yeah. You'd rather come a little soft and then see how it maneuvers. If you come out too hard, then you lost the course for the week and you're in your toes. And yeah. now you've got a, now you've got a massive problem. Um, so I, I was like, well, we got to give it the course time and let's see what, how we do. And, and I always, Whenever I look at majors and when they try to make it difficult, I was like, you got to be able to shoot. You got to be able to shoot about four or five under to really to, to give the players a chance. And I think there was a 63 on Sunday. I mean, Austin shot 29 shot. on the yeah. front. So there was opportunities. And as long as there's enough opportunities, I'm going to be OK with making it difficult. Um, I thought it was kind of a home run on the golf course because it was really, really challenging in, in a lot of different areas. The pins were really, really tough, but the fairways were wide, right? So there was a nice bounce that they had. And I think they knew that they've got big, wide fairways and thick, thick, rough, right? So the penalty, so there was a big area to hit to, but the penalty was going to be severe. I, I just thought there was a nice bounce to the golf course. Um, you know, maybe I think on what, 14, 15, I think I would have made it a little bit shorter. I, you know, I think I would have liked to see a little bit better opportunities for guys to kind of do something cool there. but. Um, all in all, I thought it was great. I think 18, I, I get it, you know, it, but the holes were so hard going into that hole that you kind of needed a reprieve. And I love that Rory bombed it down the middle and he probably had an eight iron in that flag and yeah. there was a real opportunity. He just didn't get it done. So, yeah. um, I thought the, the course was great. I thought, I thought they did a good job setting up, which was always a challenge. The score, you know, I thought the score was kind of right where it needed to be. I thought it was fun. that guys were shooting low. Um, but it is a downer to hear that the vibe and the energy was not there. Um, clearly they clearly, I think the USJ wanted a West coast, they wanted LA country club. And so they were basically willing to do whatever that 
Cook in LA said, this is what we need, right? And we're, we don't want all the people rolling around here and making a mess of our golf course. We want to be able to play it quickly afterwards, right? So obviously there were concessions made um, kind of by both sides. And that's kind of what they got and what they get. I feel, you know, sad for the players that it wasn't that energy and that vibe because that is really an incredible yeah. feeling to have when there's amazing stuff going on and there's big moments and you couldn't quite see a lot of fans really anywhere. And there wasn't, you know, that, that oomph you needed in a major that makes it so cool. So, um, you know, I thought it was cool to have kind of that night golf, you know, watching oh, it at that. home and yeah. almost the, I, I really enjoyed that aspect. So as a fan watching it on TV, I was thoroughly enjoyed and I thought it was fantastic. Uh, being there, you know, you, it, it sounded like it wasn't quite what they, the players maybe kind of hoped for, which is, which is reasonable. I didn't love the 18 when they let the fans run up there when Ricky's trying to chip and there's cops in the back trying to control him. I thought that was kind of ridiculous. I'm like, you know, where the guy has got a, you know, if he's got a three shot lead, okay, but he's got a 60 yeah, footer yeah. for his life to change. Yeah. Like, really? Like, <laughs> this is, I, I just thought that was silly and cheap. Um, I didn't love that at all. Um, but overall, I thought it was, I thought it was great. I really, really enjoyed everything about it, you know, and I thought it was so cool to have a major West Coast, you know, finishing up at night. I thought it was a really neat, neat scene. Did you know uh, that Wyndham at one point saw Ricky's putter at one tournament and then lo- just loved it, and so he just decided to have have one made identically to that? Did you Did you know that, Hunter? Did you get that? Did you? I did that? not know that. I did not get the memo. Oh, you didn't. Well, you must have had the coverage on mute. God, I mean, they they said the same things over and over again. I don't understand what that what that is. And then what what irritated me too, and and I'll I'll be done with this. Cause I've, I've said enough, but. Uh, I mean, it felt like every drive that was hit on that back nine, as soon as it left the club face and the and the, the top tracer started going, either Zinger or Hicks was like, "That's gonna have to get. That's gonna have to hold on. He's cutting it close here." And it's like these are the widest fairways in U.S. Open history. <laughs> yeah. And then you see the ball land. It happened on on. Uh, it was either seven. Was it? It wasn't eighteen. It was either sixteen or seventeen with Wyndham's tee shot. And they're worried about it getting in the left. Seventeen, right after Rory duck hooked it into the into yep. the other fairway. Wyndham's tee shot, he hits it, and they're like, "That's gonna have to. That's gonna have to keep cut to stay in the fairway." It literally landed 15 yards right of the rough line and ended up perfectly fine. I, I thought some of the watching it and the commercials and the the playing through when well, we didn't even see Ricky's third shot into the par five or something on one. I, was, I remember thinking like, "Okay, I'm dialed in for Ricky's first hole," and I missed the shot, or either it was being yeah. done during the playing through situation. It, it, it was a horrible viewing experience on Sunday to me as a fan. I, I think LACC was fine in terms of yeah. viewing it, whatever. it was. There were some interesting holes. There were some quirks about it. Some of them, I think, kind of fell flat. I think the 80-yard par three kind of fell flat. I, yeah. just, I don't know if that pin position was just so freaking difficult that it didn't produce really the birdies or the drama that we, that we may have wanted it to, to have. Um, but the, the, the coverage was like, bring me Fox and Joe Buck back. Like, I'd rather have that. Yeah, I thought I really enjoyed listening to Faxon and kind of his insight. And he had some fun little Twitter things beforehand where he's getting on the golf course and kind of giving yep. you a different perspective. Yep. I thought that golf course had a tremendous amount of um, uh, course perspective that I, I would have liked to see more of. It, it, it's so, you know, it's kind of when you're just watching on TV, everything looks flat when, it, when you know it's not. So right. I always wish that there was a little bit more 
that they could show the audience and the fan to say, this is kind of what the player is actually facing. I don't really need to know where the ball is going. Cause I'm not, it's not radio, right? It's, it seems like sometimes these guys think yeah. it's radio, but it's like, no, we can see it. And we've got cameras and, and you don't need to announce what's sort of happening. We can just kind of see it and let it play out. You know, that's why Jackson's great. And I think John Wynn does a great job of sort of explaining and laying out the situation and kind of what's going on. Um, Isn't that the rule? Is, like that's like the broadcasting rule, right? When it's on TV, I've heard it before. Like you don't, you don't, you don't say you don't have to tell the people watching what what they can see with their own eyes. Tell them what they yeah. can't see, right? Yeah. Or just don't it, tell yeah. them anything. Give <laughs> you more situational awareness to kind of what yeah. the heck is going on because it's crazy. And, and you've got Zinger in there who's one of major and knows how what these guys are feeling right now. And it's it was sort of strange to me. He's like, you know, I wonder what he's feeling right now. It's like, what do you mean? You know, you do know what he's feeling mm-hmm. right now. He's 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 you know he's wrapping his head around the situation that he's in and he's just trying to get one freaking par that's it you know he's yeah. got two shots left this is it the mo you know and it's kind of it's like they talk when they don't need to talk and then there's this there's this time when they're walking when you can just lay it out there for them and it's like they just didn't and it was yeah. strange to me because there's a lot of good experience up there and, and it sort of wasn't shown at the right moment you know it felt you know, like you said early on, I want to see the start of this. This is a part five. This is important. And we're going to cut the commercial right now. It's like, for the leader, for Ricky, this is the doobie yeah. everyone wants to see win. It just situationally, they just didn't know where they were. It, it, um, I was reminded of the, the story that Gary McCord told about Frank Tricanian, the famous uh, producer, yeah. when, when Frank told him, Gary, we don't pay you by the effing word. You know, like you don't have to say all your words. Mm. And it made it made me remember like I miss Gary McCourt. I miss actually it made me think about David Faraday, who was an NBC yeah. guy. But at least it, it, at least if Faraday was telling you what you could see, he was telling it in such a ridiculous, you know, yeah. humorous way that uh, that that you laugh you laugh about it. Um, whereas you know he he's a, he's doing the thing on the live on on the live tour now, but it, it was tough. It was a tough. Uh, it, it was a tough time. Um, to me watching it but uh anything else on the u.s open that you'd want to you'd want to rant about or get off your chest or talk about anything else any other pontification thoughts from hunter mayhem um well i was you know when them kind of rolled it up there in 18 i couldn't think of sergeant beforehand i said well what oh, yeah. this thing and it just pops out of the hole and what? he has to go I mean, to what? playoff so i was just thinking was that. that i was like i just was so all of a sudden i had this like nervous feeling i'm like that's, this could happen because we just saw it happen. And, and it's, it's one of those things, you know, I put it on Twitter. It's almost like Joe Daly, right? He didn't get his scorecard because of uh, nonsense about the cup, right? And I'm thinking, that happened today at the U.S. Open on the 18th hole. This better not happen to one of those final guys. Can you I just imagine? thought that, you know, I mean, could you, I mean, what if he, had, you know, I don't know. I thought, I thought that was just sort of like, I don't know what you can do, but like obviously that ball was in the hole. Obviously it was going to. It wasn't a lip or anything. But to see it actually happen, yeah. I just was thinking, I was like, please, for the love, don't don't let this happen to uh, the Wyndham here. But I thought that was, I don't know. I mean, it seems like we were in a time where we can kind of fix that in some sort of way, yeah. right? Yeah. Oh uh, God, I didn't even think about that. That is that is nuts. That was a hell of a first putt, or a, a lag putt by Wendell yeah. in that situation. Yeah, up there. It was it was. Um, that is some blackout stuff. You just you just yes. you blacked everything out, and you yeah. did what you've done a, a million times. That was awesome. Yeah, yeah, he did a good job. Um, 
All right, let's tie let's tie a ribbon on the U.S. Open, and and I want to I want to skip to the Travelers, but I do if we, if we have some time at the end, I would like to to pick your brain a little bit about what's going on in the world of golf and the announcement that was made a week or week or so ago now uh, with with Liv and the PJ Tour. I want to pick your brain on that if we can. But talk to me about the Travelers. So you won the inaugural Tra- Travelers Championship that was in 07. Mm-hmm. and then I think I said it when I introduced you. You know, 07, 08, 09, you gained forty three strokes at TPC River Highlands. Like you finished runner up in 08. And then what happened in fourth or something in 09? Yeah, um, something like that, yeah. Good so stretch. maybe you understand how this golf – I mean, obviously, I'm sure there's been some changes made maybe since then. I don't know how many. Have you, when's the last time you played uh, TPC River Highlands? I, I guess probably just a few years ago. I mean, probably three, probably, probably three years ago. Okay. Yeah. So what do you – give us your, uh, your breakdown on it. Well, I got to play there. It was crazy. I was um, the AJGA, AJGA Junior Player of the Year and got to play there as an amateur. I was 17. Oh, wow. And so it was a long time ago and, and got to play it. Um, and loved the course um, immediately. It was just so fun to play. You know, ended up missing the cup by one. I think I like doubled or tripled in like 16, the par three. Mm. Um, but um, I've always really enjoyed playing there. Um, it's an event rich in history on the PGA Tour. It's been there forever. You know, it was the Greater Hartford Open for a long, long time. Um, you know, Norman played there, you know, with Fuzzy and that, that you know, they're switching hats, kind of those iconic moments. Um, it's a really fun, cool golf course. Um, has a great um, has a great setting right behind the U.S. Open because of the U.S. Open is such a challenge and you get to go to this golf course and it's it's so fun to play. It's gotten It's gotten... A little bit more challenging as the years have grown on the the, the rough, and they made subtle changes here and there. Um, but they have an incredible sponsor in Travelers, who yeah. um, is right there in Hartford. And when you have a great sponsor like that, and is willing to put money into the golf course and the practice facility, and into making this a an event that players want to play, in, which they've you've seen it, they've grown it from just the grassroots there, and figuring out what do we need to do to ensure we get we can get the best players we can. And that's what's so cool to see. And the community really comes out for it. And I think the guys love it because it's, it's such a nice respite from the U.S. Open and the grind. And they kind of go there. It's, it's kind of a no-frills golf course. You don't need to play it a ton of times. But there's always those moments and those situations there that are challenging enough. And, but it gives you so many great opportunities and so many, you know, um, you just don't know what's going to happen on those about four, those last four holes that make it so exciting. And it creates this nice amphitheater for everyone to kind of see, um, you know, and, and I think we've heard so many players talk about it and how great it is. And so many great, it's such a great opportunity for young guys too to go there and play and to win. And a lot of drama that we've seen the last few years and that 18 has definitely changed a lot. They've made it longer and, yeah. and some, some added some bunkering to it and make it more challenging. So I just love it. Love the people love, uh, travelers and the people who work so hard there to create a really fun event for the players. And I think they see it. I think the fans see it on the player's face and they see an incredible product. Well, we probably talked to more, a greater ratio of caddies than players, but I, it is one of those tournaments where when you ask a caddy or, or even the players that we do talk to and say like, what's your, what, what are the best events in terms of just like regular run of the mill PJ tour events to play at travelers is one of the first, if not, if not the first that, that rolls off the tongue and how they treat not just players, but caddies. Yeah. Um, and I've been to enough tour events too, as, as media to see kind of a difference. That's kind of interesting too. Like they also control that, you know, the sponsor can play a large role in how the media feels. Yeah. Uh, I just went to the Wells Fargo, which I think is another one that people have said is, is a high level event. That was my first time being there. 
the experience as a media member there was light years better than experiences I've had at, at other at other courses. So when you can when you can draw players in that way, uh, that's important. Obviously, this week they're also drawing you in because it's an elevated event and they're they're giving mm-hmm. somebody three million dollars to win the thing. So that's uh, that's pretty cool. Um, you talked about how you, you said you said it's one of those places. It's not super tricked out, and and it's it doesn't take you long to learn it. Okay, help me reconcile that with like. It's definitely a course, though, too, where we see the same guys have. It, it seems one of the, like those one of those uh, like quintessential course history courses. So if you want to if you want to have an argument with somebody about how much course history leads to uh, you know someone playing well or not, you might cite uh, you know TPC River Highlands, and you, and you might first go right to Bubba Watson and go like, yeah. hey, Bubba Watson, this is this is a Bubba Watson course. This is a uh, you know a course that he dominated. I think he's won three times here. Um, so talk to me about like the difference between, cause there's a lot of first timers here, uh, the difference between that, but also reconciling that with, you know, some experience around here. You, I guess there, there has to be something you learn here that, that you can't quite pick up on early. Right. Yeah. But I also think it, sometimes the course just kind of suits guys eyes, right? It's not something you really learn, but when you get on the tee, you just um, like it. You just feel it and you can just see it. And there's a lot of like, there's a lot of open area for Bubba to hit a big fade, right? Like there's a lot of area off the tee that he's got a lot of room. It's not, it's not on top of you on the, on the tee shots and stuff. And the greens there are, um, they're kind of, they're they just, a little, they're simple in the best way, right? There's not a lot going on in the greens. Uh, they don't get crazy fast or anything like that. So um, you don't need to be a great putter to go to go win there because they're at a nice speed to where um, you can be aggressive and especially coming off the U S open, you can kind of go there and you feel like your putters freed up a little bit. You know, you're not, yeah. you're not lagging 20 footers and 15 footers, you know, you can kind of see it go in a little bit easier. Um, but like, you know, it seems, always seems like great ball strikers play well there. You know, you, it, it's a course where you got to give yourself a lot of opportunities or fives. Um, you can reach um, almost all of them. So um, it's, it's a place where, you know, guys off the tee who do well and guys with their iron games, right? Maybe you don't have to putt perfect that week, but when you're just lasering your irons, giving yourself a ton of opportunities, um, we've seen that uh, mostly great ball strikers like Xander and, and, and Sabith is a great ball striker. Um, you know, Bubba hitting where he does off the tee and giving himself opportunities, going to have so many wedges and just come in so aggressive into a lot of those flags uh, makes us, that course so much easier. And, um, um, so it's it's just a you know we've seen young guys go there and win because I think they're so hungry right they I mean they want to get that first win and they know that you know it's a course that doesn't really suit you know uh, to your point is it doesn't really suit anybody yeah. anybody can kind of play well there but man it, you do want to hit you do want to be a great iron player to go there because you you know putting is sort of you know you can get hot you can get hot for a week but that ball all, the more opportunities you have at at TPC River Islands. Um, you know, the better scores you're going to shoot. Well, I mean, if you just look in the last, since we've been doing the podcast, if you look at some of the recent, you know, some of the winners, guys like Russell Knox who, and Shez Reefy, who don't hit it very far at all. Yeah. Um, but they're, they're good iron players and, and they can get hot. Uh, Russell Knox, I would say, of the most recent winners, statistically probably one of the worst putters by a mile. Yeah. And, and had, a good, had a good week in 2016. Yeah. But then, you know, like I said, Bubba, DJ, um xander all guys who hit it you know farther is this a is this a thing where because i think you typically see driving distance the average driving distance kind of lower on this golf course uh driving accuracy seems to go up in terms of relative to tour average 
So I would imagine this is a place where if you're a longer hitter, longer than average, are there quite a few like club down spots off the tee here? Yeah, there's a lot of dog legs that kind of move sharply around. So you kind of want to make sure there, there's opportunities to be really, really super aggressive if you want. And there's opportunities to kind of just hit a lot of three woods, even some irons, because you don't really, if you hit it on the wrong side of the fairway, there's going to be some trees right in your way and you've got kind of no shot, even if, no, no matter how far you hit it. So you do want to make sure that you're giving yourself sort of the best angle into a lot of these greens and mm-hmm. a lot of these holes. Um, and there's some, they've added some little mounds and little, you know, they added some you know, little things here and there to make sure if you do hit it this left side, it's going to be challenging, right? So it, it's, there's a lot of opportunities to be aggressive there, but the more times you are in the fairway and the correct angle into the flag, even if you're in the rough, if you have the right angle into the green, you can be super, super aggressive. And, and so I think that's where you kind of see guys maybe hitting three woods and maybe some irons and some holes, knowing that, hey, I can't go right at all. Even if I hit it way down there, I'm still in no man's land. Yeah. So I just have to be able to make sure that I control either side of the fairway rough to be able to go at a certain flag. I know Bubba was quoted at one point talking about how, like, he, it, this was one of those courses where I think he felt like if he could just bomb it down there, whether it ended up in the fair, a lot of people do talk yeah. about how penal the rough is here. And statistically that does play out. It's a, it's in terms of the average PGA tour event, the rough is kind of, you know, it's harder to make, to, to score yeah. from there. But Bubba almost said, I, I want to say his quote at one point a few years ago was like, basically, well, I, I still, I'm going to have a wedge in my hand and I, I'll take my chances. Like it was a little bit of a, a Bubba golf bomb and gouge situation at times uh, for him. Um, so I, I don't know, like, what do you, do, do you think, do you, do you see now with this elevated event where we've got the strongest field the Travelers has ever had, even though the Travelers usually gets really strong fields, obviously the top part of that field is going to be a bunch of long hitters. Um, do, you, do you think that those guys are going to, do you think the majority of those guys are going to club down still, or do you think they're going to try to try to rip it and take advantage of, of having wedge in the hand and just take their chances from the rough? Yeah, I think early in the week you can see that, but this course can get firm Firmed up. and it can get bouncy. You know, you can see a lot of balls start bouncing over the green. So you do have to make sure you are aware of that and how the course is going to kind of mature through the week. But I do love a long driver on this golf course to just yeah. kind of grip it and rip it. And if they keep themselves in the right area, like I said, if you're on in some of the holes, if you're just on the right side of their um, course, you can kind of shoot up the green, whether you're in the rough or not, right? They have grown it up. If I made it pretty thick, uh, being in the Northeast there, they can. Um, and, and that could be a good defense for that golf course. But you do, it, it is a golf course where you do, you kind of want to know where the pin is when you get to the tee box. And you kind of want to make sure you know where you're going to, where you want to attack from, right? And you got to think, okay, is it better to be in the fairway here or way down there in the rough? That's still fine, mm-hmm. right? There's still a lot of those opportunities. Um, you just have to kind of have a plan. Kind of, you do like I said, you do need to get to that tee box, and you do need to refer to your caddy, and your caddy needs to say, "Hey, listen, this pit, this pin is way right. We can't, you know, we got to be in the fairway if we have any chance to be aggressive at it, right?" And so, there, you are going to have those conversations with your caddy and make sure that he's on top of it to know that um, it's not the it's not the second shot we're really worried about. It's that tee shot. We got to be safe and be smart about it. Were you a uh, were you kind of a draw guy or a cut guy off the tee? mostly draw just it's real slight right like uh-huh. real real tiny little tiny yeah. draw just kind of my you know when john would say you know caddy for me it would just fall left yeah that's nice that must be nice huh um that's why that's why they paid the big bucks to play golf buddy um 
So you mentioned, you know, obviously Bubba hitting the cut, which is a draw for a right-hander. So does this is this one of those courses that maybe does favor a little bit of that? I'm thinking of Rory right now, actually. Yeah, I mean, I think we've seen both, right? You know, Dustin kind of fades it. Um, Xander hits the high draw. Um, I do think, you know, thinking about it, I think there's more... There's more draw shots there. I think a lot of trouble is mostly left on that golf course. Mm. Um, uh, you know, 17's got, it's the one, one dog leg left to right. Um, but you're kind of hitting iron off of there anyway, so it's not too big a deal. But I think a draw is, is it seems to be um, kind of the play on that golf course if you can. But like I said, there is enough room off the tee to where you kind of, you can't shape it either way. I mean, Dustin does hit a, a fade yeah. um, out there. You know, I'm thinking, you know, Rory could be, it could be a great week for him to get a W. He's playing so good. You know, Rom, I don't know if Rom's playing this week, but he likes to kind of slap it left to right there. And there's, um, you know, definitely some problems with that. It, but it's always, you know, it's always interesting to see what a player sees, right? If they see trouble left and they like to fade it, it might be no problem for them. That might be easy. For them. Yeah. It's like not even a concern. So. I, I don't know how a, a fader would think about that, but uh, we have seen a lot of guys with the right to left motion, you know, do well there. So we're, maybe we're getting into it, but just before we get into this field, um, obviously this is a golf handicapping podcast and brand. That's what we do. Um, yep. and, and we get real nerdy about it, right? We, we like to get in the data and get in the details and try to, you know, find whatever little edge we can find. And we, we always talk about it at the end of the day, it's, it's hashtag golf really freaking hard to predict it's the hardest sport in the world to predict um we you know pat and i grew up playing golf for forever we know you know how 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 crazy hard game this is and how you can get your one bad bounce or your one good bounce away from something happening but like you know you having played at such a high level for as long as you have are there things that that you i don't know i don't know how much you know or how much content you take in 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 this space but like things that you think are kind of silly that maybe handicappers would put too much emphasis on or things that you think they don't put enough emphasis on or are there just so many things that they just can't even know? I mean, we know there's that. We talk about kind of strokes gained home life all the time. Like what kind of, how are things at home with mama, with the kids, with, you know, with the spouse, the girlfriend, whatever. All that stuff kind of matters at, at times. We know that. But um, I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on just overall uh, people's approach to handicapping uh, the hardest sport in the world? Yeah, I think, you know, I don't really know your process, so I would be more interested to see what, what, what are things you love. I think, I think the hardest thing to do, like last week, I thought, looking at the golf course, I thought Cam Smith was like a top 10, easy top 10. It just, the course reminded me so much of like an Australian kind of San, Royal Melbourne kind of sandy golf course with a lot of movement in the fairways and greens and different ways to play. I just thought that would fit well for him. Um, I didn't know, of course, that well to kind of dig into like, yeah, who's going to win. You know, I didn't know, if, you know, whether, but I guess, you know, Wyndham's, I guess, uncle's a member there at LA Country Club. So he got to play it a lot. And so he had a good experience. And when you, when there's a golf course like that, when um, nobody has much experience on it, playing it over and over again is going to help a ton. Yeah. Um, I guarantee you that, you know, he probably benefited greatly just from that opportunity. Um, but I don't know, you know, like I said, I'm a big believer in ball striking. The best ball strikers day in and day out over a long, yeah. over a huge sample are always going to be the guys I would love. Putting is too cyclical. It's just, you know, Scotty Schiffer can't make anything. I haven't seen him make a putt in months, but he's a top five machine. So 
who knows, right? Like putting to me is just not as well. Then, then on, on Thursday, Thursday at LA, I was like, oh God, everybody's in trouble because he made he made a ton of putts on Thursday. He did. He got up to a great but, risk. But then it went right back to you know, it kind of went right back to where he's been. Let me see on yeah, Thursday. What in the world? Right? On Thursday, yeah. he gained on Thursday alone, he gained one point four seven shots putting. Yeah. So yeah, putting for sure. Super. I'm curious. So when you were a player, like what, this is another thing. Like you're always, we're always like tinkering between what is what is recent form. And I think one thing that we're trying to, if I if I phrase that another way, what are we? What are we? It's like we're trying to figure out who is this golfer right now, because there's the long term version of the golfer, which yeah. may be more applicable in in certain statistics. Like like sometimes I will look at. Uh, a stat like, for example, um, putting is, is a good one. Uh, I kind of would tend to look more of that of long term, but then I also kind of also like to look at the short term. But or maybe bogey avoidance. It's like, man, if a guy just has a knack for saving his ass when he needs to, I feel like that's a long term skill set. But there's, but for the most part, we're trying to figure out what is recent form. Who is this golfer today? Who is this golfer this week? I've heard players say, you know, it's my last five tournaments. I've heard players say. My last ten, my last two, who the hell knows? Like I've heard, I've heard everything. Like when you were a player, what would you have said was your like? What kind of form were you in when you showed up at a at a golf tournament? Oh, um, I don't know. It's it's you know because there's some weeks where I didn't even play many practice rounds, or I was more concerned with just how I felt, meaning like energy wise and focus. Yeah. Um, I needed to be in a good place. I remember um, John Wood and I asked Tiger one time about how he wanted to go into a manger. You know, did you, when do you have won the previous week? How do you want to feel going in? And he, he was always like, I just want to be mentally and physically rested to know that I'm going to go into battle completely clear, right? And, and, and with all that energy that I need, yeah. you know, to combat what's going to happen, right? So it's hard to figure out what, um, how someone sort of feels at a time or, or what's going in, you know, history, I, I think at a place we've seen, um, I don't know how long that lasts. You know, that's always interesting how someone that those feelings do they last for five years or 10 years or just three or four. Right. So, um, like, um, it's hard to figure out what a player really feels like they're going in to yeah. a place. Cause you might play a golf course. You know, I know, I guess when David Duvall won the British at St. Andrews, I think he shot, you know, in a practice shot in the eighties one day, you know, but it just, he just didn't care. He was just in a completely different mental headspace. Like it was just sort of, he's just literally there to see the ball run bounce. Where is it going? How's the swing? Great. Let's go. You know, so, you know, where a player is, I think more mentally is more important. Maybe physically, like Justin Thomas sounds like he's in, he's like, I don't know what's happening. Like, I have no idea. I'm not sure what's, you know, He's just in a in a lost space, which is really challenging. Um, well, you bring. I was going to say you brought up the David Duval example last week. I can't remember who said it. I think Max Homa, some player that played in a practice round with JT on like Tuesday or Wednesday. Yeah, said something to the effect of, "Oh, JT would have shot a sixty-two today in the practice yeah. round." And then yeah. and then he goes out and trunk slams. You know, everybody got everybody got all juiced up about JT, and he's he's didn't wasn't there. Um, yeah. With golf, right? So I mean, yeah. So I think what we're saying is it's kind of dynamic. It may be player specific. You know, one player yeah. may. Um, but it's always interesting to me to talk to a player and ask a player that you know that thought because you know we're always looking at it. We're looking at it as because we don't we can't get inside the mind of a player. We're looking at results and we're looking at data. You know, statistics yeah. and results. And 
and try and understand, okay, well, he missed the cut last time out, but before that he had, you know, three top 30s, and, but, he, but he missed the cut last week and his irons were shit. Huh. Yeah, you would have to look, like, deep into it because, like, missing a cut in a certain events right. could be two holes, right? It could right. be he just he, – he, he had, you know, averaged 33 putts, right, but he was ball striking Jesse. And so um, those things, man, like, that's the hard part with this sport. I would think there's so many guys and there's so much data to go through. Each week, it'd be super challenging to figure out who's someone that you like coming up yeah. and who's someone that might peak right at this right time, right? Some guys have won playing their 11th week in a row, which is you know crazy to think. But everyone's sort of different with how they, how they kind of schedule themselves and how they kind of get to that place where they need to be to be to winning, right? So it's not uh, what you try to do is, you know, I always like the top 10 bets always feel a little bit clearer to me than trying to pick a winner that just seems like that's so much smarter than me that's really good yeah well that's just i mean like <laughs> when trying to win, pick a winner is just yeah insane right it feels like yeah you know scotty Scheffler should should have won eight times this year and you know i thought john rom last couple of majors i can't believe how bad he's played because i'm just like i'm such a fan of his and yeah. i think he's incredibly good but you just don't know how you know these tournaments go sometimes well, you're making me feel really good. I appreciate that because uh, I'm definitely on the cold streak. Pat, cont- you know, is is on a hot streak, even though neither one of us hit Wyndham. Uh, but we we do have. I gotta I gotta give props to my boy before we get into handicapping this thing. My boy Marcus in in the Discord. You can get his. He's he's a lady lover, man. He loves the the ladies tour, the LPGA. Okay, he tracks it hard. He stalks all of them on Instagram. He's a little weird. I'm a little concerned Say about that. some of the stalking. But uh, he watches the game, and he has hit four outright winners in a row in our Discord on the LPGA Tour exclusively in the Nut Hut. So check that out. He just hit Leona McGuire one, I think, yesterday at 20 to 1. So he's got four in a row 20 to 1, 18 wow. to 1, 42 to 1, and 12 to 1. Like, I mean, incredible. And I give Marcus a, a lot of grief over the years, and he gives me a lot of grief. Actually, one of these flags, hold on, uh, that Champions Retreat flag I took from Marcus. That's his note that he wrote to me right there. But he's crushing the LPGA game, so uh, check out the Discord. Join us there. Let's get into uh, let's get into handicapping the Travelers a little bit and taking a look. Right now, unfortunately, all we have is outright winners. No top tens. No no top twenty bets. Um, what are your thoughts? And do you remember having this scenario? The guys that that played all four rounds at LACC, mm-hmm. battled yeah. through the U.S. Open, coming from California, going to the East Coast. Obviously, you're going to have you know it's not like I mean you're going to have a day or so to. to to travel yeah uh, i would imagine it might be a little different for guys who have played tpc river highlands a bunch versus guys who have not and there's some guys up here at the top of the board who have not really made it a priority to come here every year um but what are your thoughts on just that travel that mental that physical what you just talked about yeah you get in i, I remember playing tory pines and then flying all the way over there and it's you know you get in early in the morning you take um monday it's just kind of like a a dream you just yeah. kind of get through it and then you get to tuesday and wednesday and, and those are days that um you get out there and you just kind of feel like uh, you kind of want to see some holes right and my guys are gonna be playing on wednesday so they might just be playing nine holes so you might not do much even on tuesday but you just like to see how the course is uh sort of reacting to certain shots and distances and stuff like that see how long the rough is um get a little bit of some sort of plan for yourself but really you just got to get ready for thursday and that's kind of what you're thinking about um and this is where kind of being young and being you know a guy who's maybe been on tour just a few years um might feel energized to kind of think hey listen these guys are they just went through a big long week 
I have an opportunity to come in here and put a little extra work in and, and jump on them early. And knowing that this is a golf course that, you know, it's a little, um, it's quirky in all the right ways to where I can do something here. And we saw, you know, uh, Sabith almost won a couple of years ago. We've had a lot of first time winners in this place. So, yeah. um, you know, but for those guys traveling, you just got to get the Thursday and you got to get rested and you got to get your head right. And you got to forget about what happened and, and sort of move on and realize that we're at a completely different golf course right now and get a lot of um, chipping and, and putting just so you get your touch um, sort of in the right place. So you've got Scotty Scheffler at six to one. Shockingly, um, most of the books have Cantlay at nine to one, possibly with his record here, and obviously played played. You know, kind of had a, a sneaky backdoor. What t fifteen? Yes, he's done that the last like two majors, right? Yeah. Terrible start. He's like he's missing the cut. He's out of it, and yeah. then he sort of falls his way back, right? Um, yeah, they got him shorter than than Rom and Rory both, um, which is kind of interesting to see. Rom appears to be the guy who's never, at least in terms of the top, the guy who seemingly has, has not made it a priority to come here. You know, that's yeah. the thing I've been thinking with these elevated events, right? I've been talking about the ones that are before and after majors and kind of going back and looking at what do guys do before and after majors. Do they like to play before a major? If so, this elevated event won't feel like that big a deal. If they like to play after majors or they don't like to play after majors and now they have to or they, they feel like they have to, Maybe that is kind of a thing, right? Because it doesn't appear that, that John's really – he only played here in the COVID year, which I don't remember exactly how that all worked out, but it probably was not uh, – I don't, I don't remember if it was after U.S. Open or not. I have a terrible memory. Everybody knows that. Um, but it doesn't look like John's really been a, probably a guy to play after the U.S. Open, right? Yeah, it's, it's – so I, I like kind of playing after the U.S. Open more than playing before because it's such a grind. Mm-hmm. Um, you kind of wanted that time to get because usually it's a golf course you've never played before, so you need a lot of time to kind of figure out the quirks of yeah. a golf course like that. And those golf courses change so much, and you want to see all the different variants from the wind and tee boxes. So there's so much to go into that week. Um, and then so by the time you leave there, it's nice to like not play. But I always like to play travelers because I just the place was so it was like a breath of fresh air. You were in a completely different environment, and the course was. It just was fun to play in, but but playing before a major, you know, certain places it was not much fun. Like you really needed as much time as you could to get on that golf course, yeah, um, to really learn as much as you could. Um, but sometimes it is good, you know, depending on where it is, if you can kind of get there beforehand, um, because you you hate to make um, a major more than it is. You see a lot of guys overdo it mm-hmm. and overgrind on it, and then all of a sudden by Thursday they're sort of spent mm-hmm. and. Um, I know plenty of players, especially when, like when, uh, you know, when Tiger came out, he was such a, he would get to the golf course early, early in the weeks and play, and he'd play early in the morning, and he would just do. It always seemed like enough work, you know, and he always elevated the majors, and everybody kind of elevated the majors with him, and so they made it. You know, uh, he always seemed to play mind games when he wasn't even playing mind games, and he sort of elevated these events and made people start doing things differently. And when you don't really need to, you just need to go um, figure out the golf course and just go play golf and, and figure out why you're playing and why as well and adjust as well as you can. But it, it's, I talked to, you know, um, I saw Spieth the other day, at a, you know, at a coffee shop and he was like, I was like, he was telling me how many events he's played in so far. So a lot of these guys are getting worn out and yeah. it's just, it just seems like it's just this year, the way they've talked about it yeah. with everything that's happened. Yeah. 
all these elevated events kind of just smush together. Um, it's it's um, it's kind of why I see kind of Justin struggling is, is he's played so much, and when you're not playing well, it is a snowball, and it isn't fun because it, it feels like you just can't get off the ride. Um, it seems like he needs a couple of weeks off to kind of refocus himself and just get out of it, get out of the you know, get out of the the, the funk and start something new again. And so, but these guys are, I think their, their way the elevated events are this year, it is sort of an anomaly. And I think they are, it's, it's sort of hard to, when you've had your schedule for, for years, yeah. and all of a sudden this one is, it's just, it's too heavy. It's way, way too heavy. Luckily, I think it's going to change, but it is too heavy for a lot of these guys. And you're kind of seeing the guys not playing well. It's just, it's snowball going in the wrong direction. I think I, if I'm doing this right, I think this will be Scheffler's sixth event in seven weeks. Yeah. Now he continues to just be there, you know, and not just events, right? Elevated events, <laughs> big events, uh, majors. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah, it's hard. Two majors and, and elevated events in there. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I guess at the top of the board, I will say because I made some notes beforehand. I was looking at Cantlay, and I had him written down on DraftKings at twelve to one, but he's already shortened to nine to one on DraftKings. So maybe he's. He's had some uh, some steam early. He's still twelve to one on like BetMGM, but at the top, I was really looking at two guys up here um, in kind of that twenty five to one range or shorter. I'll toss them out. You tell me what you think, and then uh, if you have anybody else you want to mention, we'll we'll keep moving on. But Cantlay would be one again. Just you know, not wasn't fully involved mentally. I guess Sunday and the weekend because it was his backdoor situation. Maybe yeah. he's a little fresher. I know he loves TPC River Highlands. He talks about it all the time. He's got a great record here, twelve to one. Double digits, I, I guess, still feels good. Um, and then Hovland, for me, just continuing to be as good a ball striker as he is. I think his iron play was a little down this past week at the U.S. Open, but I just Hovland just still such a, a machine, and I feel like he's going to keep it rolling. I think what we saw at Memorial is just going to snowball a little bit. And twenty for to sure. one, for I, sure. I, let's see if he's still. That's nice. Yeah, yeah, I think he's still. Yeah, he's still twenty to one on 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 DraftKings was the best number I could find. So those two kind of for me, and then I'd probably start moving on into this like mid range situation. I like, um, you know, Tagala. I think he's got great vibes. I think he's playing pretty well. Young. Hunter, you're jumping ahead of me. I, ju- I got oh, sorry, Tagala sorry, right. Sorry. I got Tagala right here. He's fifty to one. I love. Well, that. I, listen, I like. I like all the guys you said. I think Cantley's okay. the perfect guy. He seems to be. He's gotten these kind of terrible starts in majors, and he's kind of out of it the first day. Um, but he's, you know, he knows he's obviously a lot better than that. But. Um, He's just had these rough starts, and then he kind of finds his groove, and then he's on his way. And so I don't think we're going to see a slow start from him this week. I wouldn't be surprised if he jumps out and he's sort of top five all week um, because he loves this golf course, and I do think his game is actually in great shape. Um, Let me ask you about him because when I was looking at him, uh, Tagala, and that was one of, the, one of the first names I was about to bring up, at MGM 50-1. to yeah. So I see the runner-up last year. And then I start thinking about, you know, kind of the different takes on this golf course about being in the fairway and all the things we talked about before. And his, his issue is a little, he's a little, he's a little spray with the, yeah, with the driver. The driver, that's right. So, yeah. so he must have had either a good, you know, good, good strategy that last year, or, or maybe he just had, was having a hot week. Um, but everything else, obviously, you know, feels like it suits him. And, I, and I do, you do feel like the, the, the gala win is coming. Yeah, and I think, I just think from last year, a young guy knowing he was so close. Yeah, he's got great vibes at that place. Um, I just think he's going to. It, it's just. It's sort of like it's automatic to him in in a way when he's going to get there, right? Because he doesn't have many places that has history. This one's got great history. 
I think he's and he's young, right? So bouncing back, traveling, doing all this stuff. Yeah. He's got nothing to do but play golf. So I think he's I, I just think he's gonna have a great week. It's one of those top ten slam dunks, I feel like, you know. Um especially if he gets out to a good start, then all of a sudden it's it's you know, That's the juices awesome. are flowing, the memories are going. It, it's he's just gonna feel in the right place, right? And like you said, you don't have to be a great ball striker there, but if you are long enough, you can get a lot of three woods, some some irons off the tee. Um, there's only a few tee shots that are really, really important out there. So um, I like him. I, I just think the youthfulness is going to serve him very, very well. One name slightly shorter than him that I've just, we've all been just waiting on it to finally click. And it was, oh boy. It, it's, it's Fleetwood. It's, it's Fleetwood at 30, oh. 35 to 1 on FanDuel. And listen, had Fleetwood just had a benign day yesterday, yeah. I probably would have just been today. I would, probably would have just been like, okay, I might let Tommy sit this one out for me because he might, he just might be tired. You know, he just might be tired. He's played a lot of golf. He's played well. He's come close. He's had some heartbreak, but then he goes out and shoots a 63 yeah. yesterday. And I'm like, I can't, I can't stop myself. And now, and I know this is wrong as a better, I should treat each event as its own thing and forget about hand, you know, in terms of handicapping it. But I have this like FOMO with, with Tommy because I've been hammering him all freaking year. And now I'm reminded of, of missing out on Wyndham like I've hammered, you know, now for the second time. And I'm just like, what do we think him like mentally? Obviously, there's the pressure building of like, when is he going to win on the PGA Tour? He's come close. Uh, but then the 63 yesterday, it's just like, it's so hard to avoid him 35 to 1. It's like the, the Tony Finau paradox of I'm just going to keep betting him until he wins because happens. he's yeah. going to win a lot. Right? It's going to come together like yeah. Duvall. It's like, when is it going to happen? When is it going to happen? When is he going to figure it out? Um, yeah, Tommy's been around. He's really good. Like, he's really, really, really good. Um, but he plays, you know, plays on two tours, travels a lot. Yeah. Um, is he worn out right now? Is he sort of just playing because it's an elevated event and this is what you're supposed to do? And he can't wait to get home. I don't know what he's doing after this week. I'm guessing he's going to go back. Um, you know, that is, that's what scares me about him is being, you know, a player who probably doesn't really live here. He probably lives more in, in England. That's kind of where he wants to be. Um, it looks like last year. So now, now you got me thinking. So last year, you missed the cut at the Open, U.S. Open. Okay. Came to the Travelers, finished 46th. Okay. It wasn't an elevated event there. So, I mean, he, he must have wanted to come to, to TPC River Highlands. Sure. Um, and then he and then he dipped to the house, and then he played the Scottish two weeks later. Yeah. And then the Open. So you know, and now we're looking at him. So he's not played as much as like Scheffler has. Yeah. But so he played the Wells Fargo, then the PGA, or so he had a week yeah. off or two weeks off, then the PGA, then went ahead and played Colonial, skipped a week, played the RBC Canadian, and we saw what happened there, and then he went to straight. So this will be his third week in a row, but he's had a little bit of time off. But like you said, is he sitting there going? I just I, I get through the elevated event. I'm going to be home for a couple of weeks before the Scottish. I can rest up. But I mean, obviously, as good as he's playing, like he he can't he can't like be sitting here thinking like he's got to know the opportunity, right? He's playing so well. How, how could I come into this thing like looking ahead? I think he's going to be dialed in. I okay. would bet he's dialed in as well as he's playing and hitting it. And on a golf course where I think he hits a draw. Yeah, I think this suits him really, really well, right? Like, so if you're looking at your your guys, his odds are just too juicy to kind of pass up there. To, to I would for for you know, I don't know how you how you 
how you write it down or whatever, or how you kind of rank it. But the money you can win from him winning, mm-hmm. there's odds like that's the juiciest, that's the best looking bet. Yeah, uh, to me, than what you've talked about, right? And I would probably put you know, Tigala right behind that, um, and then Cantley at nine to one behind that because I think I can see Shuffler just being for as great as, as well as he takes care of himself while he's playing. Right, he's not too high, not too low. I mean, he's got to be worn out to be in contention like that over and over again is a very draining experience. And so I think he's got to be like, boy, it's going to be nice to get home. <laughs> it's yeah. going to be nice to go on vacation or wherever I'm going to go. Yeah. Um, after everything that he's sort of accomplished so far this year and the draining of working on his putting and everything and grinding, knowing that, my gosh, like I've been the best and I can't, I got nothing to really show for it, you know, just because of the, the silly, stupid flat stick. But um, boy, Fleet, I would think, I, I, you know, I don't know if I've turned you, but I think Fleetwood is is going to be dialed in. And okay, good. That, no, it won't take yeah, much. He's going to be he's going to be ready. It won't take much to get me back on. Uh, a couple <laughs> more names here in the mid range because you know th- this is the thing about these elevated events. You come to a place where you look at the past winners and you go, oh, this, these guys could have, you know, a Russell Henley. So that's a name I'm going to throw out. Yeah, like a yeah. Russell Henley could 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 certainly win here. But then you start looking, you're like, well, shit, this is an elevated event. You got a lot of big names up at the top, like. Are, so when we get to this range, you start to think to yourself, okay, can this guy close the door on more than likely two or three of the top seven or eight players in this field? Can he do that? And, and that's where I start to go, like, for, you know, we're talking outrights, not top tens, like you're saying. We're talking outrights. That, this is about the range where I start going, ugh, like, I don't know. Henley's played great in big events. We know he's a multiple PGA Tour winner. He's checking boxes. I, I, he finished T14 last week. And I, I literally don't think I saw one shot of his or even remembered him I being in I the saw field. One, yeah. Uh, so one wood shot, he got like six. Yeah. That was it. But he's, he's 60 to one. Um, and so at least I get a guy, you know, if I'm going to start, if I'm going to have some reservation about that, I at least want it to be a guy who has won on the PGA Tour before and has at least contended in majors and done his thing. So I feel like Henley's an interesting play at 60. And then the other name I want to give you, and I think this one is definitely a guy that could close the door, although he, kind of flatlined a little bit on the weekend. But Harris English was a guy I talked up a lot last week um, as, a, as a top placement bet. 75-1 um, to 1 on FanDuel, past champion here. I think English and Henley, and by the way, shout out Bulldogs, uh, go, go dogs. I think, I think Henley and English are two names in this range that could close the door. What do you, what do you think about those boys? Yeah, I love English more than, than Henley. I think... Um, English is a kind of a momentum guy, right? When it starts to feel good, he can kind of string it together for a while. And so as he's playing well last week, because that's, you know, you gain a lot of momentum playing in a major in that type of pressure, going to a place that you won before. Yeah. And, you know, kind of turning it on a little bit. And this is a great time to turn it on. And these guys know this is an elevated event. So definitely for those, I think the, 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 the mid guys more than the top guys, because the top guys are, every week is sort of that way. But for these mid guys, knowing that hey, this is yeah. this is where I can really jump up there and put my my name up there for, for Ryder Cup purposes or whatever, this is a great opportunity opportunity for me. So I do love Harris English. Gosh, with those odds, with his past experience, where he's played, I do think he's a momentum guy, right? Like he's going to ride that, yeah, and and roll it into this week. I think it's it's uh, that makes way too much sense for it not to work, right? Yeah. Uh, okay. Good. I'm glad you. I'm glad you ranked those for me. All right. Am I missing anyone? Is there anybody else? Just a talking winner, because I got some bombs that I could toss out for maybe a top twenty or something. But just talking winner. Anybody else on the board you look at and go? I want to. I want to make sure we talk about this guy. Um. 
No, you'd have to throw some names out. I, c- I couldn't uh, think of it like, offhand. Like, I thought about, you know, last week, Tom Kim had a good week. We kind of finally yeah. saw him play well again. And from a from from what we know of Tom Kim and what he does well, seemingly TPC River Highlands would be a wonderful place for him that you don't have to necessarily overpower. Um, but good to see him play well last week, finally. Uh, I'm always interested in Siwoo Kim, uh, of course. Brian Harmon is a guy with a ton of history here. Who yeah. is starting? He's had a rough year. He's not hit it well at all. Um, but he looks like he's starting to turn it around a little bit. Another bulldog. Um, he's at ninety to one. Uh, Siwoo sixty six. Tom Kim's fifty. Any, any one of those kind of jump out at you? Um, maybe Tom Kim. Yeah, Tom Kim makes you know he's he's one of those young guys. Um, yeah. What else does he have to do to play golf? Right, like you said. Yeah, like it, that's that's a real thing. <laughs> yeah. You know, I remember when I was playing, and that's the only thing you can think about is <laughs> playing golf and how to win and how to get better and how to do all those things, right? When you get married and have your family, there's just a lot of there's just a lot of realness in life. When it's when it's just about you and the only thing you're thinking about is you, it's a lot easier to go out and play and do all the things you need to do. So, um, and I think it, one thing for Tom Kim probably is is like he's a young guy who wants to make an impact. He wants to win. And that's always hard. It's hard to pull that back from a player and say, you need to do all these things to win. You can't just want to win. Right. Mm-hmm. Like we heard that from Brooks all the time. Like, I just want to win majors, just want to win majors. It's like, you know, that it takes a lot more than just winning to, to I want to win to win a major. There's a big, big process. And I think, um, you know, I'm not surprised there's been a pullback from from Tom from the President's Cup last year because all of a sudden his expectations, his dreams Love go that. are right in front of his face and he can feel it and he can touch it. And so it's it you have to like in an odd way kind of remove yourself and realize that you gotta do the little things if I wanna win, right? Like, you know, we saw it from Wyndham was a perfect example of just doing a lot of little things, grinding it out, um, you know, because you're not gonna go seventy two holes with hitting it perfectly. You're gonna have a stretch where it's just a little ugly, yeah. And you need to kind of duct tape it together, yeah. And then you just then you need to move on. So I think he's got a good caddy with him, yep. And maybe they're finding that you know what we don't need to try to win. We know we're trying to win, but we gotta just do the little things right now. Well, I mean, looking at it, statistically, what seemingly was holding him back was kind of short game. Has been really bad, especially around around the greens. The putting's been awful. Um, yeah. but he's, he's hitting a lot of fairways, which, you know, and, and obviously the way river TPC river Highland sets up is great for that Gains seven and a half strokes with the irons, uh, on a, at, at LACC on a course where he's probably yeah. hitting a ton of long irons. Like that's, that's really impressive to me. And then he was positive around the green and gained 3.3 strokes putting. I mean, I, I'm sure that the, the putting it's is a great not, recipe. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure the putting's not similar, super similar, no. like, like you said, but the confidence and Finally, getting kind of that all that back on the rails for me. We know the 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 win ability is there for Tom. He's already done it twice, so um, that's an interesting one. All right, b- before we get out of the betting stuff, let me throw out a few bombs that I'm looking at for maybe top twenties. I'm thinking in the elevated event, these could be top twenty guys. I don't know what their odds are yet, but I would imagine most of these would come in in that. I bet three to one to even six, seven to one for a top twenty in an elevated event. But guys who have good records here. And who are playing well? Shez Revy is really playing really well right now. Like if you, I don't know if you've paid any attention to how well Shez is hitting it, but he's he's four hundred to one outright. We're not talking about that, but Shez and Kevin Strillman, a couple of veterans who've both had yep. success here. Um, I could see those guys being long. Mark Hubbard is a guy who's leveled up. We know Mark. 
He's, uh, he's gained a little distance. He's hitting his irons a little higher, he says. He's very confident. He's been playing really well. Did not get in the U.S. Open last week. Maybe comes in rested, hungry. Uh, Brendan Todd is another one that I kind of found fitting this place. And then Lee Hodges has been kind of bucking his head lately. So if I, if I throw those names out to you, who are maybe two of your favorites that I mentioned as a, as a possible top 20 once we learn the odds? Um, I would say Chez would be my maybe favorite of mm-hmm. all those guys. Um, he's I, I I would always probably take the guys who have kind of won at a place, and and he's got an incredible amount of experience, and so he kind of knows what he knows how to play with totally within himself. Yeah, and um, playing well. I think this is sort of his stretch. Um, playing Canada, and just just this is a nice stretch for 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 kind of Chez and um, really good ball striker. Really knows his game really really well. Um, that would be my guy to kind of kind of sneak in there and get a top top twenty for sure. Yeah, I mean, last four years at Travelers, his ball striking's been off the charts. He's yeah. won eighth last year. Uh, you know, I would imagine a place like historically where Chez doesn't really gain a lot of strokes off the tee. Right. You get here and he starts gaining yeah. strokes off the tee. Like you look at his record yeah. at the Travelers, and he's actually like I would imagine. I mean, tell me if I'm wrong. For a guy like him who's a shorter hitter but hits a ton of fairways, hits it up a nat's ass, and you get here. He's probably, I mean, would it be safe to say he's probably hitting driver where a lot of the longer guys are dialed back and hitting a three wood and he's actually ending up a little further down the fairway because he knows he can hit it straight? Uh, absolutely. I think it, yeah. it fits his shot, fits his distance really well. So whether some run outs with some bunkers and things, he's not worried about that. He's just sort of taking dead aim and he knows he's going to be hitting a lot of drivers. Um, you know, he's just going to lose shots maybe in the par fives or, or stuff like that because um, he's not going to be able to make easy birdies. Um, but I do love him, as you said, just standing on the tee and just doing what he does. Yeah. And he's going to get rewarded for that. He's not going to get punished for it like some other courses, like, maybe like the Wells Fargo or somewhere yeah. where you just where the difference is just astronomical between some of the tee shots you're going to hit versus a guy yeah. like Wyndham. Yeah. That's what I was trying to say. You said it better. Cool. Uh, Hunter, before we get out of here, can I ask you about just kind of the state of golf, PGA, live? um the, all the news that broke maybe your your thoughts anything that you've heard and also like I th- one thing that I we kind of forgot and I, I thought we'd get s- somewhat of a reprieve from all that discussion uh with the U.S. Open which we did um but two things we haven't heard a thing about Jay Mon. I haven't seen anything about Jay Monahan since he went in the hospital or, or since he was hospitalized yeah. with a medical event and it's really crazy to me that we've not heard from Tiger it's very crazy to me that the golf world has not heard from Tiger since the announcement uh, almost two weeks ago, I guess tomorrow. All your thoughts on all that? Um, I think with Tiger not saying anything, I think it's because the reality is nobody knows anything. Mm-hmm. And so there's no reason to make a statement about something you don't know about. And Tiger's probably just like, wants information. He wants and he wants something other than what they're being given. And I don't think, um, from what I know, nobody knows what's going on. Yeah. There's just no information from, from agents, from players, from people who would know and should know. There's nothing. They just don't know anything. And so there was the announcement that came out of nowhere. I thought it was almost fake. And, yeah. you know, it's just the way it was being reported and was being leaked. It was, it was kind of crazy who was sort of delivering the information. Um, and then when it actually came from, from Jay and from the, the PIF, it was sort of like, 
I, they, they talked about this partnership, but then again, we don't really know anything about the partnership, right? right. So um, Norman's like, business as usual. This is a good day, I guess. And But I think he's out, obviously. I don't think there's any... I, I, don't, I, I don't think their product has been very, very good, mm-hmm. the Lives product. Um, I just think they've shown resilience and, and a real saying that we're going to be here and we're going to fund this because we want to be in the game of golf. and. Um, it's just been a while to see what has really happened and, and to see where we find ourselves today. And the question of where we're going to find ourselves in a year or two or three is really crazy. We have no idea. Um, and that's kind of maybe the craziest part is the lack of information. Yeah. And I don't know how it's, it's crazy to think, but I don't know how Norman survives this. And I don't know how Jay survives this because this is, yeah. You know, this is what commissioners do is figure these things out. And he hasn't really figured anything out other than to sort of, I think, lose the trust of the players. I don't know how to look at it any other way. Yeah. And at some point, my thing is, how do players get representation in this? Because they have none. Yeah. And that's, as a player, and if I'm Rory, if I'm, uh, you know, Justin and Jordan, all the big names, how do I have, how do I get representation and a seat at the table? Because how do I trust Jay or, you know, I love Jimmy Dunn. He's about as good a human as I've found. And Ed Hurley, you know, you mentioned Ed Hurley amongst the people in New York and a bunch of hedge fund managers, like much big time people. There's, he's a, he's a big time person in the world, like in the world. So there's a lot of really smart people there. But as a player, I need some sort of representation that isn't Jay at this point, because what I've seen is. I, I just can't trust it, right? And this no, is yeah. this is my career, and this is my future, and this is yeah. We're talking about a lot of money, and I don't know who's in charge, and and supposedly a tour that is for the players, and that's the problem, yeah. right? Is a lot of lip service and then nothing yeah. to really back it up, right? Like they announced this thing and said, well, it does have to go to the PGA Policy Board for a vote. Clearly, they don't care about the vote. Clearly, that it's, it's insignificant because they just made an announcement saying this is going to happen. Yeah. So I don't know, and that's and then at a Looking at all this, for the, I've been pretty consistent. I've always been on the player side. Players are making money on this side, and the players are making money on the PGA Tour. That's great. But now I'm like, the players need representation, and they need, probably need some sort of legal representation to have a seat at the table and go like, this is our person who's going to represent us here. What is actually going on? How do they, do, like, how, how do they get that? Like, to well, me, it sounds like I, you forming know, if, like the, we see in the NFL when they do the collective bargaining agreements yeah. every and you have like a, a rep, you know, the, the, is that how they do that? Is that? They're going to have to do, like, I, I know people are like, well, you can't unionize. They're in a charity. And I get that. But if it's going to be a commercial entity that's for profit, I'm sure they can do something like that. Yeah. Or they're just going to have to stand there and say, no. Yeah. We're not going to do, we're not going to play anything, right? No. We're just, just going to sit there and say, well, this is a strike, right? Like, yeah. And at some point, maybe that's what they have to do. Because it's ridiculous for the players to not know what's going on, as which is as you've said, is well, it's your tour. It's like the heck it is. Yeah. You've shown us that it's right. not our tour, right. but we're gonna have to take some sort of the power back and have some sort of representation that we choose and we feel comfortable with going into this this part. You know, I know, love Jimmy Dunn, but he kept talking about the PGA Tour, PGA Tour. I'm on their side. Well, who's on the player side in all this, mm-hmm. and why don't they have some sort of you know option to say? Well, why aren't we being notified of all this stuff? The, the secrecy and the lack of communication and not knowing is what's just completely mind-boggling when you're talking about a professional sports league 
yeah. and all the ramifications and everything that's going on and nobody knows anything. It's pretty wild. Do you think the, any of the antitrust stuff that our government's trying to do, do you think any of that's going to work? I, I feel like it's, I feel like there's no way guys as powerful and as smart and as connected as Hurley and Jimmy Dunn and the, it, and the PIF side. I'm, knowing Ed Hurley and who he is and what he does, it doesn't feel like that's going to be an issue. Right. They, they wouldn't, this would have never happened if they thought it was a real issue. Right. Right. I think it's a government, you know, just probably overreach. I don't know. Maybe they can do something. I just don't see. It's just if anyone would know in any world, in any place, it'd be Ed Hurley. <laughs> yeah. He would know all the litigation yeah. and the rules about all this stuff. If you didn't tell me, I would, I would be more on the side of, I don't really know, but knowing Ed, who's in charge of this yeah. or running this, he knows what's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, Obviously, I mentioned you're a what three time Ryder Cup player. Is that right? Three, yes, three time. You got the Ryder Cup picture in the background that looks really sweet. Um, do you think that live players, both on the American side and the European side, should be playing in the Ryder Cup in September? They won't be this year. No. Um, do you think they I should? Don't see that. I think I think Brooks has a case. Um, I would have no problem. Um, if he qualifies, he qualifies, and he should be on the team. I think okay. it would be hard. Zach's not going to pick. I don't think Zach's going to pick any of those guys. I don't think, like DJ. I don't think DJ would have to probably win the British um, to probably be an automatic. I think he has. I'm not sure if he has a chance at that or not. I um, but I guess he, he would. But I don't think he'd be a pick. Um, so you're for if they play and they earn their points the way that currently is set up to earn their points, which is only in for them at this point majors. You're, you're yeah. fine with them playing. I would be, yes. Yeah. Yes. I don't think I have any problem. I, I, but you don't think there's any way they're going to make a pick? Because, like, my case would be DJ because of DJ's team, team record, right? The, the way that he's oh, performed in team the, events. His, I would have no problem picking him, but I don't think he'll be picked. Gotcha. That he's that sense. good. Like, he was the only guy who played five last Ryder Cup. And won only all guy. five. Won all five points. And he won all five. Yeah. Because he's that guy. Because he's a guy he can just yeah. do those things and uh um he can walk in that walk into the team room and be totally fine right yeah. most guys have no problem with brooks and DJ. you know it's just guys who have sued the guys who have been you know bryson and phil who have been very you know antagonistic for the pj tour yeah um and those are the guys that have no chance right like right. you know brooks you know you know bryson's got no chance to be on the team like right. you know he's gonna have to win um but i i i you know, how people have handled themselves during the situation is going to matter a lot. It's just from the European side, it's very sad to see what has happened to the legends of Ryder Cup to not be a part of it anymore in really any capacity. When I think they want to be a part of it as well. They're not saying yeah. like, you know, they, they, they want that is the sad part to me. And it hurts because um, the Ryder Cup is so special. And those guys are, are such legends in that part of it for them not to be involved in any way going forward. I hope that changes in some component. Um, but you know, as I've said before, the, 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 you know, the animosity between everybody and how it's been shaped, um, has, the, is a part that I didn't see coming and it's been the most disappointing. Yeah. hundred percent. Uh, couldn't agree more, man. Listen, I really appreciate you taking, uh, extra time today, hour and a half, almost doing this thing. Uh, Hunter, it's a lot of fun. We appreciate you, dude. And um, it's really cool for us to have a player that, that has done all that you've done in the game on the show and, um, and, and you know, helping me out when Pat's out of town. You know, you're the, definitely the best fill-in I've ever had for Pat in eight years. 
Perfect. That's good to know. Good to know. I am very <laughs> what excited. A, what a high bar. I, what an achievement. I know it. And I, am more, I can't tell you how much I'm excited for this week's travelers. I mean, I just know the cash will be flowing in. It's going to be like Niagara Falls and just raining down on me <laughs> for all of our amazing picks. It's yes. Just, it's a no-brainer. There's going to be a four-way tie. I know it. Ugh. Tommy Fleetwood's going to be there. Chaz is going to be in the playoff. Uh, you know, Cantlay. Cantlay's probably going to win it on the third hole. That's what I think is going to happen. Dude, the, the last time I, I actually hit an outright, I, it was a sweat-free, at least for, at the end, outright. I had Sam Burns and Cam Young at the match play. And then wow. they, both, they both make the finals. I mean, the, the match against freaking uh, Sheffler and Rory, the match, th- those matches were very stressful. But yes. once that happened, you, you know, it was just... Hi, hi, it's incredible to, you know, you're like, I've won. Yeah, I've won, I don't even care who wins. Like, it's just worth um, my money. But that's the last time I hit one. So it's been a long freaking time. If, there, if, there, if, if Cantlay and Tommy Ladd and Tagala and English are all up there, on Sunday, boy, that would just be delightful. I hope. I well, hope, I, hope you're. I'll right. be, you know, twittering you, and, okay. and we'll be we'll be letting the world know how smart we are. All right, and Ryder Cup coming back. Can't wait. All right, thanks everybody for watching. We appreciate it. Thank you to Hunter Mayhan. Uh, go check out our friends at Leaderboard. Go check out our friends at SoBet. There's a link in the description. Uh, keep up with all all the good betting action on SoBet. The exclusive Tour Junkies Top 40 Round Robin is there. We're up. Uh, like nine units on the year doing that. It's a lot of fun to do that. So we'll have some more fun on SoBet this week. And uh, I'll be doing the DraftKings show solo. uh, So check that out as well. And Pat will be back next week. And all will be back to me and Pat just yelling and pissing and moaning at each other. All right. Thanks. Have a great week. See you.